Christ. Um, Last week of the book of James, so if you want to turn or tap with me to James chapter 4, that's where we're going to end. And yes, I do know that it goes a little bit longer than that. Um, um, so, uh, but we are here wrapping up the last week, um, and if you would, I would love for you guys to go and continue reading uh, James chapter 5 to finish the book, um, but I thought this week uh, we would wrap up here, um, just basically the entire chapter. Um, I know it sounds like it's a lot, but it's okay. Um, we have this on the Bible app as well, so if you want to turn or tap there. That's where we'll be. This talks about drawing close to God, warning about judging others and your self-confidence, and kind of what I summarize this as, and it's interesting, um, time and time again, both Joel and Megan, uh, that help lead us through worship, oftentimes don't ask myself, Alicia, or Ryan, or myself, Alicia, or Ryan, what we're preaching about. Uh, they they kind of pick music that God has inspired them to pick, like Joel said this week, uh, he kind of, this meme inspired him <laughs> to pick the worship this week, and in the midst of that, I, I think because their faithfulness to God, um, and honestly, you know, I think I'm changing my words. They're not, Joel and, and Megan are not our worship leaders. Yes, they lead, but Joel and Robin, sorry, Joel and Robin, that's Joel's wife. Joel and Megan are our worship pastors, guys. They they pastor us and they lead us through this. Uh, it doesn't matter about title. It doesn't matter about uh, whether they're ordained or not, but they, they help lead us and pastor us through uh, through musical worship and uh, last week it was good to just worship through prayer but we miss it we miss when we get to do musical worship but it's but it's awesome, awesome that no no sorry we, we worship through prayer that's right but the, what's great is that they they prepare and they're listening diligently to the Holy Spirit and today Joel's last song talks about becoming humble which is exactly kind of what I'm focusing on with this entire passage, even though it's kind of broken into three separate things. They all kind of conclude into this idea of humbleness, what it means to be humble, to, uh, to humble yourself before the Lord. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. So before we get into the scripture, before we get into the sermon, I just want to highlight and help you guys remember what these last couple of weeks have looked like. Um, these past four weeks, we've gone through a lot, I understand. It's been a ton, but... Um, first week, just uh, three three weeks ago now, we talked about this endurance, right? Faith and endurance is uh, kind of like running a race, how you have to train your body. And the ways that we talked about training our body was like reading scripture, coming to church, doing your devotions, being in prayer, going through worship, and, and not just not just doing the motions because, oh, I showed up at the gym and scanned in at my EOS membership, so it says that I went to the gym, but actually doing the work. And then the second week, we talked about faith and works and how... It, yes, 100%, we believe that it is faith in Jesus Christ alone which saves us and brings us salvation. But when you have true faith in him, it inspires you to do good works. And when we do good works, it shows that our faith is alive. Again, kind of a gym analogy there. You can show up to church and you can scan in on your app and show that I've made it, I'm here, I'm here. But if you don't do the work, if you don't put in the time, if you don't show... And it's not, it's not about gloating or showing people that you're a good Christian, but it's about believing so deeply in the message of Jesus Christ that you decide to do good works for him. And then last week we talked about taming our tongues, and it wasn't just you know not saying the bad words that we think of in this culture, but, but truly about changing our language, about focusing in on who, uh, who God is and who, who his creation is, that we are all created in the image of God. And when we speak harshly to the creation of God and is like speaking harshly to God himself and so 
we, we jump here into, into chapter 4, and just this whole thing is, is kind of just this explanation of humbling yourself before God. So let's read together um, what, what we're going to do here. We're just going to read through all 17 verses. I know it's a lot, but bear with me. So again, I'm reading from the New Living. Yours is a little bit different. That's okay. But it starts here at verse, verse 1. It says, What is causing the quarrels and fighting among you? Do they come from evil desires at war within you? You want to, you want, sorry, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war and, to, and try to take it away from them. You don't have what, they, what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit of God has been placed within us and filled, has been placed within us, is filled with envy? But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Your loyalties, for your loyalties are divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And in 11, it continues here. Don't speak evil against one another. Dear brothers and sisters, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. Ooh, that's good. God alone, who gave the law, is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have in judging your neighbor? And finally, we jump into 13, the last little bit here. It says, look here. You who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We'll do business there. We'll make a profit. How do you know what life is going to be like? Your life is like a morning fog. It is here for a little while, then it is gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans and all of such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's a lot there. It's a lot of scripture that we just read. So let's unpack it together. Uh, I, James it, here, first and foremost, in, in chapter four, is communicating to us, communicating to the believers. Because again, these what we what we kind of learned here in the book of James is that this isn't necessarily directed towards one church. When we look at some of the, the Pauline letters, we can look at like the book of Corinthians, which is directed towards the church in Corinth, right? The, the church in Ephesus for Ephesians. Uh, you just go down the list. If it's a Bible name that kind of looks a little weird, it's probably a town as well that was written to. But James here is not really a town of James um, within the Bible. James is the author of these books, and he's kind of writing these sermons that have been preached. And so when you take this context of, of James... And then you say, this is a sermon directed towards me here in my context today. It, it extends, yes, from back 2,000 years ago when this was being written, but also to today, July 24, 2022. When we look at these words, when, when James is talking to us, he says, we need to, we need to draw close to God. He, he is talking about humbling ourselves and drawing 
close to God. There's, and we've read it this whole time. There's nothing that we can do that's going to necessarily make things perfect right. There's nothing that we can do that's going to forgive our own sins. We need to draw close to God in each and every moment. We need to turn to him for our salvation. We need to have faith in him for all things. And it says here in verse 10, I think this is an important one to, to focus in on. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He, he's not asking us to, to stand here and to boast about how good we are, how, less, how much less sin that we have, or to look at others around us, or maybe others within our own church communities and say, well, at least I'm not, well, I'm not struggling with this. Or when I was at dinner and we were eating, I heard them say, and when you look at yourself and God is, God is looking down at you. I mean, this whole, this whole book is, in, I mean, this whole chapter is in so many ways connected to itself. It's not just three separate parts. He's asking you, are you standing up in righteousness and saying, well, look at me, God, for my holiness. I read all my scripture this week. I showed up to church every day this week. I did this, I listened to worship music only, I never I never listened to pop radio this week. I I did everything that I needed to do this week. He's, he's not asking for those things. God opposes the, the proud, but favors the humble. And so again, verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And then James continues this thought about humbleness into this next part of the chapter. And, and he talks about when you're humbling yourself, It'll help keep you from judging other people. And, and I know there's other scripture here that we've read, and people like to debate this. Again, I think James causes a lot of tension within some circles within the church, because James isn't a contradiction to scripture. Because we look at scripture, and it talks about a lot of things, like earlier we talked about a couple a couple weeks ago, that faith and faith alone is what saves you and brings you to heaven. But then James here says, you need faith and works. Like, well, those contradict. They don't contradict. We've discussed that. We talked about that your faith inspires your works. And if you have true faith, you will do works. Your works are what get you to heaven. And so here, so many Christians look at it, and there's verses. I, I, didn't, I didn't bring them up, and I should have done a little bit more studying here to show, that, show them. But where we point out scripture and we say, well, this scripture says that I can judge my Christian brothers and sisters because I'm keeping them accountable. And actually, we talked about accountability, I think, two weeks ago. Accountability is not judgment to your Christian brothers and sisters. When I ask Joel to keep me accountable for my walk in Christ, I'm not asking Joel to, to text me daily and to say, Trevor, your sermon was trash this week because you I didn't do put that it up for free. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it, when I'm asking Joel that, I'm not asking him to judge me. I'm asking him to hold me to an account, accountable source that is Christ to take those steps because I want to grow my relationship with Christ as part of that walk. But when we're looking at this, don't judge others. I mean, it's been pretty clear. He says, don't speak to evil against one another, dear brothers and sisters. Don't speak evil against one another, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge one another, you are criticizing God's law. Your, your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. That's us. When you look at even just like the Ten Commandments, like Michelle was talking about. Look at those and say, well, here's these ten laws, but I'm not married, so obviously the adultery law doesn't apply to right? I'm not married, so I'm not, uh, and I am now. But, you know, if you think about it in that time, or, or maybe you're like, well, I'm just never going to kill anybody. So obviously that one doesn't apply to me. But it's not even whether it applies to you or not. It is God's laws, and it is our job to obey those laws. 
to do the things that God has called us to do because God alone who gave the law is the judge of the law. And so there is a difference, a stark difference here that we need to be aware of. Accountability that is asked for within the church is different and it is not the same as judgment from Christian people within the church. And it's hard because like, go ahead. Well, the, I think, well, the accountability part is like, didn't you say you were going to go across the street? Why are you still sitting here? Mm -hmm. You're <laughs> not judging them for being there. You're, right. you're keeping them accountable for the words that they spoke and wanted right. to do. You wanted to help them inspire their action to do the things that they committed right. to do. And it it's like you know, somebody who agreed to do that with you, not, not just some random source. Like, because if it was some random person that came up and told the same person the exact same thing, that's not cool. But when it's you who's been asked, like they, they put it in front of you to say, hey, keep me accountable to this, then it's exactly, that's exactly it. That's, that's holding you to task. Yeah. And it's like the speaking evil towards others. And, you know, it's kind of like those times where others are speaking evil towards you. And you're like put in that position that how do I defend myself without throwing the evil back at them? You know, how, how do I... Thanks for the comment. Have a nice day. Right? It's like somebody puts you off in traffic. Most everybody goes to the instant rage. But, but it's like if you really want the person that's flipping you off, if you, if you really want really to take them from already being mad to over the top mad, mm -hmm. just wave at them. Yeah. Keep calls on their heads. I love you too. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting here because so often, and I don't, I don't even necessarily think it's a conscious thing. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we look at there's certain certain areas or people or groups within the church that makes it more obvious than others. But I don't think typical Christian people are are consciously judging people. I just think it's a part of our human nature, right? When we, I think we're judging actions more than the, the heart the of the person image. itself, right? We, we you know, see something like, that we disagree. I'm not sure if we, and I don't even necessarily know if it's a, it's a, it's a I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a conscious thing, and it's not even a Christian thing, but it's a conscious thing that humans, humans are subconsciously yeah. judging people all the time. Right. It's, part of, it's, part it's an unconscious thing. That when we look at it, when we're, when we're young kids and we're watching, I mean, I can, I can see Carson's judgment on his face when I do something silly. And his face is either like, you know, disgust and shock, like, why did you just do that? the brownie. Yeah. You know, and he's, or he's laughing. Yeah, the brownie's a great one. Where I pretended, I was like, and Carson really wanted my brownie. He said, no, 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 Carson, this is poop. And I ate it, and he goes, like in shock. Why would you do that, Dad? And I'm like, I'm just kidding. And so he's he's in his in his heart. He's not being a judgmental person, right? He's not judging me for a choice, right or wrong. It's just an inherent subconscious judgment that we every person we interact with, every person that we in, that we come across, every phone call that we get, every every interaction, there's an immediate judgment on the person, right? You have to make an observation to determine how you're Exactly. We have that, that. You look at the cover of the book, right? And you judge, and you, you're not going to make your final judgment. 
on the cover of your book, right? But you make a judgment of, hmm, do I want to read about Dungeons and Dragons or do I want to read about space explorers like Buzz Lightyear? And we have to pick between the two or neither, right? Like, we judge people and make a decision about them in less than probably about five seconds. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, all the time. Subconsciously, all yeah. the time with every, everything we interact with. Based on our own biases, perspectives, opinions, and unfair. Right. Or, what's going on at that sure. time. Or how somebody says hello. Mm -hmm. You might, you know. That's exactly what we're talking about know, last what, week. What up, dude? Yeah. I'm going to instantly judge you as probably a surfer from some part of California. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, even just the know. phrasing of how we say it. Like, what's going so down, bro? Are we going to judge like you as hot. a biker? Yeah. <laughs> and we look at, we look at the, the intention behind it. Like, this is what we kind of talked about last week. And, like, the way that you speak things can be interpreted as good or bad, right? And so, when, that when James looks so good on you, that dress looks so exactly, good exactly, it's exactly what we said last week. And so, so when James here, when James here is talking about a warning of judging others, I don't think James here is is necessarily just talking about your immediate thought about some person, but that you truly look at the person for what they're doing. What you are already saying, Charles, is the action, and you're saying. That's a sin. And it might be. I'm not right. saying, what I'm not saying is that if someone's sinning and you look at them and you say, that's a sin, making an observation on the sin is one thing, but to condemn them to hell, that's right. not our to put it in the You know, if, think about it. Judgment. You have judges that sit on the bench and sentence people to whatever prosecution. Yeah. Okay? So it's like, if then God says, it's my job to judge people, not yours. Okay? He's the ultimate judge. So it's like, and I think when he speaks about not judging others, it's more of it's more of the condemning somebody for what you observe. You observe you know, you observe this guy to be a doctor, but you also observe him slitting somebody's throat in cold bird, you're going to have a very differing opin opinion with seeing those same act, those different acts. But it's the same individual. So you need to judge the act. You know, the doctor act, great positive thing, awesome dude. The murderous act, not so you're, you know, you're, a sin, you're a sinful, you're a sinful this, no, they're not a sinful, they committed a sin. Or they are they're not their sins, sins any more than we are our jobs. They're no you, more you or less go sinful dispatch than every day, yeah. but you're not a dispatcher. Yeah. Part of my job. Yeah, yeah. it's what one, you one do, of, not one of the who thing, you are. One of the things that I, that I love, yeah. one of the things that I love about what James does here right. is he asks us first to humble ourselves and draw us close to God, and then he speaks about okay, now with other people. You don't judge them because it is God's job to judge based off of God's law, which is plain and clear. We can read it through scripture what God's law is. What is a sin for not a sin? It's pretty, pretty cut and dry in some areas, right? And then J J James here ends with this very, very important thing about this warning of self-confidence. And I think specifically here at verse 17 is what we should focus on. It says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. One of the things that I've learned here over the past couple of decades, um, and again, I'm young, 30 years old, so it hasn't, I'm not perfect, I don't know everything, but is that my understanding of sin has changed within my life. 
that things that were not a sin to me in my 20s are sinful to me now. Not because of God's law, not because it's necessarily in the Bible or not, but because God has convicted me, like it says here in 17, that Trevor, if, if it is a sin, Trevor, to know what you ought to do and not do it. And so, God, guys, this, this one here, it talks about... God absolutely. You, or, or you're growing. Absolutely. Even if it's one degree. Absolutely. Right. There's these things, again, that, that were not sinful to me initially. When I was 20 and I was ignorant and dumb and young and I just lived life. Right? I, I did my things and, and as I got older and as I matured and as God has revealed himself to me, he says, Trevor, these things are not beneficial to you. They're not beneficial to your community. And so if you continue to do them, Trevor, it is a sin. Even though it might not outright be a sin for me yeah, to... All things are possible, not all things are profitable. Amen. It, it might not be a sin for me to, to, give, to give money to the church, right? It's like, wow, oh, that's actually a really good thing. But God turns to me and says, Trevor, you are you're cheapskating me. You're giving your 10, but, but I am calling you to do more. And if God were to reveal that to me and say, you need to be giving more. Yes, your time is already given, but you were paid by the church, Trevor. And th well, again, this, this was this was something. Again, this is something that when I was younger, when God revealed to me that I was younger, that I was I was just doing the bare minimum. I was working, I was receiving a paycheck from the church. Life was good, and I was just giving, giving what I had. It was just the, just what I had available. But then, when God convicted me, I said, Trevor, look at what you do every single day. You have this opportunity to serve and love, and you are cheap. You are cheaping me out. The money is already mine, and that's, this is what God has revealed to me at a younger age. And so, for me to not then give my full ten became a sin for me. Is that a sin for everybody? Is it a sin for for Logan here to not give ten percent to the church every single Sunday? He probably didn't even make that much, so it's a couple pennies, right? But like, maybe not. Is it a sin? Whereas, like, we have, like, our Ten Commandments. We have these things that are pretty cut and dry. Don't murder. Don't, don't cheat. Don't be an adulterer. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And those are cut and dry, but there's these things that have begin to become revealed to people. And as you, one, draw closer to God, and you humble yourself before God, you will, you will begin to experience Him in a new way. And the judgment will start to fade away. It's not about, I'm not judging people anymore. I'm loving them. I'm caring for them. And then God will begin to, to change your heart and make you humble. And as you be, become humble, you're not going to have an issue about self-confidence. And God will begin to reveal these things. And again, I'm not saying these things to go, you need to become humble so that you can have more sin. That's not what I'm saying. Well, now what about the, like, you know, judging, like, you wouldn't go hang out with a bunch of thieves. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, well, yeah, you, you know, but you wouldn't go hang out with a bunch of alcoholics. You know, those, 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 people, those people would be toxic, right? So you have to judge that those people are toxic to you and keep them at arm's length. Yeah, you got to Yeah, you know, wealth is corrupted at a distance. So that they don't corrupt you. I think there's. I think there's. Well, it's, it's both. I'm, I'm basically there, trying to round about what what you're dealing with. I think there's with your family. There's a there's a point. I think getting yourself out of the situation to become healthy 
happy and holy within Christ. And so it's very good, right? And to, to put yourselves in these situations where you're surrounded by Christ-like people that can love, encourage, and support you is good. But I read, I read so much about Jesus hanging out with thieves, hanging out, hanging out with the adulterers, and hanging out with the drunks, and hanging out with the broken people. And Jesus wasn't perfect because Jesus was perfect and truly holy, right? And for us to be able to get to those places of hanging out with the drunks, hanging out with the thieves, hanging out with the beggars, hanging out with the broken, to not be corrupted, we must be fully in Christ. He also recharged between, he recharged between those Sabbaths. Absolutely. He took those Sabbath days. He took those days to come to the community, like here in church, and to be revitalized and restored so that he could. But I agree with you. When I was a young, immature, and broken Christian, going and hanging out with other young, broken, immature people didn't help me. I tried my best to help them, and I tried my best. I, it wasn't me. I, I couldn't do it. I had couldn't date a single girl into heaven. They just wouldn't Amen. date them. You can't. You just have the one lighter Always. Always. And so, and, and, and I think that it, it, the, the part of that humbling is realizing where, you know, you've walked into the den of thieves to try to help them become better people, and realizing that I poured my heart, soul, and everything into it, and it's done nothing but nothing. It's, it's bring me it's, down. Yeah, all of yeah. You become more like them, and oops, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be that. I think it comes with a lot of... You have something to say. I feel like it, it comes with a lot of knowing yourself and your limits, exactly. But also being in constant communication with God because I feel like God makes it very obvious. I've had friends in the past where I just have this feeling I'm like, he's not hanging out with them anymore. And then all of a sudden I feel like this like joyful spirit coming back and like, you know, and so there there are some people that you just well, like it know, says, I think we can take exactly what we're saying here. And we'll get, let's continue this discussion here in a sec. We can take what exactly what you guys are saying here and look at verse 17 one more time. It says, remember it is a sin to know what you ought not, what you ought to do and not do it. And so God might be calling us into a, a, a time of sanctification and holiness where I need you to come within your community and be filled with the spirit and be lifted up and be restored. And if you ought not do it, it's a sin. So we'll, let's let's continue this discussion. I just I want to turn off our video here. God, God, 